We're going to begin this hour by concluding our series on caregivers in America. You've been a real part of that. The long-suffering, unrecognized more than 65 million caregivers who are also witness to extraordinary compassion. You've all taught us a lot this week about responsibility, about love, community, and family. Your stories have been amazing. Thanks so much for reaching out. Tyrone down in Georgia called to say caregiving is a two-way street. I never thought I would live long enough to do what I was doing when I'm seen as I'm blind and couldn't do for myself and nobody else. But thanks to the good Lord, things changed and they changed just in time. So I was able to help my mom and be a help to my family when at one time everybody was waiting on me. So I'm thankful and I'm grateful. You can find us at 8778mytake at thetakeaway.org or tweet us using the hashtag care 4 We're going to conclude our series now with a shout-out to families dealing with a severely injured veteran from the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. Due to medical and technological advancements, these wars have seen higher survival rates of injured military personnel than ever before. Ninety-five percent of troops wounded in Iraq and Afghanistan survive. Injuries that would have been lethal in Vietnam or Korea become long-term disabilities of a kind we are only now even beginning to understand. In our final caregiver profile, we talked to Valerie Brown, whose son, Sergeant John Barnes, served his country in Iraq. Now Valerie is serving her country and her family by taking care of her soldier son who has a permanent traumatic brain injury and partial paralysis. She has become his sole caregiver, a journey that began for this mom when Sergeant Barnes was discharged from an Army hospital years ago. His discharge instructions were, call us if you need us. And I had the false belief that my son had made a miraculous recovery and he was going to go on to lead a fulfilling, happy life, although he's partially paralyzed on the left side of his body and has this, you know, traumatic brain injury. It wasn't until he left home a couple months later and moved into his own apartment where all of a sudden the structure and the supervision were no longer in place that he spiraled out of control. It didn't hit me till then that my son was worse off than I thought, than I knew him to be, and also worse off than what the so-called experts within the VA realm believed him to be. So many caregivers have described that they have to stand in for tasks that uh, the person that they're caring for can't do, you know, simple tasks, maybe cleaning themselves, maybe washing, maybe walking even. Right. Um, right. In your case, though, you're standing in for your son's brain. Correct. And it's a full-time job. We try never to leave him unsupervised because even though he's 29, he's trapped in adolescence. So a lot of times he behaves like an impulsive 14 or 15-year-old. So there's supervision he can get into trouble very easy. And just like any teenager, boredom is a catalyst for disaster. Uh, Some kind of behavioral issue can take place because he's bored. Um, Impulse control is a huge thing. You have to be very careful when you take him out in public because that filter is not there. If he's tired or his blood sugar's low, it's a bigger problem. He's more impulsive in his speech. He says very hateful things, very loud. So being out in public with him is a challenge. He gets overstimulated and overwhelmed very easily. So it's hard to take him out in crowded areas. 
traveling with him is very difficult for him because of the overstimulation. So it's being vigilant and careful with him and for him 24-7. Can you describe a moment where he was directing some emotion or uh, behavior at you and you had to just hold on and realize it's not who I think it is. It's the injury. Right. How, how, how did you do that? And just describe that incident if you could. Um, that is almost on a daily basis. Uh, but I think the thing that stands out the most with me is one Christmas his son was with was with us visiting and John just got overstimulated with all the activity in the house and the relatives in and a simple act of his son who had just gotten a Nerf gun for Christmas shot the arrow at his dad's head and that immediately brought a reaction from John Um, you know I don't know if it's tied to PTSD or something else, but he just lost it, and he went off on on an explosive tangent. And so you have to recognize, okay, that's not him, that a normal person would not have reacted to that at all. But because of his brain injury, uh, you just have to work your best that you see possible to de-escalate the situation and to let John know, okay, you know, I understand what just happened. I understand what's going on. It's okay. Why don't you step back and go to somewhere quiet? Do you ever feel in danger? Uh, I don't. Even though there have been a couple incidences where he's been very, very explosively violent, I've never felt like he'd hurt me. Do you ever feel like this will change, that this situation that you're in right now and this responsibility that you have right now will will change in any way? No, I've accepted it's not going to change simply because John is never not going to be brain injured. I think the best I can hope for is that through therapy and through time, John can learn better coping skills and learn different methods of expressing himself and learn to become more independent and self-sufficient so that he's a happier individual. How has this changed you as a citizen? I feel like I've been drafted. Um, It literally has impacted every aspect of my life. Um, Before his injury, um, I worked part-time. I had a wonderful husband I lived in a huge house on the golf course, just had a very happy, fulfilling life. And then all of a sudden, you you get that phone call, and your son's just devastatingly injured. He, um, his wife left him. She took their newborn baby with them. Um, So all of a sudden, you know, I'm dealing with being a caregiver, something I never wanted or expected to be doing. And you put your life on hold, and and you do that willingly and lovingly. But in the beginning, you don't recognize this is forever. This is never going to change. John most probably will outlive me. So this is for the rest of my life. 
the burden of caring for him led to my divorce from my second husband, who was, you know, John's stepdad. Um, Just the burden of that deteriorated the marriage. So all of a sudden, I found myself once again a single mom, a very scary time. I was financially ruined. I was back to working full time. I was back to having to find, you know, technically daycare for my son just so I could go to work and then come home and and be, you know, caregiver at home and make sure that John was safe and John was happy and John was getting everything he needed out of life. Um, It's just impacted every aspect of my life, emotionally, physically, spiritually. It's just, it's unreal. And, you know, I recognize now there's a reason why they say being a caregiver takes 10 years off your life. I mean, it truly does. But, you know, last July, I met the most wonderful man, and we got married three months ago. He just loves my son and respects my son, and it has been the most rewarding blessing that's come into our life in in seven years. So, Valerie, um, you know, this is a very, um, you know, deeply important story about what's going on in America and the consequences of the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, what happens when America decides to do this or that um, overseas. And I guess what I'm yearning for is for you to, to add to that story. What, what does your experience tell us about service, tell us about responsibility, tell us about what it means to be all together in this American community, whatever decisions our government makes? Well, unfortunately, I don't feel like there's any togetherness. Um, When your child is devastatingly injured, as mine was, you do feel all alone. You do feel isolated and in the situation bleak. Um, I think America needs to wake up. There are hundreds of thousands of these brain-injured veterans, uh, some more so than my son and many, many more not so injured as mine. And we need to step up to the plate and recognize that this is a huge issue and we need to change the way things are done. The scariest thing for me is, like I said, my son is probably going to outlive me. Who's going to care for him? Hmm. Who's in your corner? Is the VA, is the government, is this recognized uh, on the scale that that you see it? Um, Most Americans probably have no idea of what you're going through and how many people are going through the exact same thing. I'm sure most Americans don't, and I wouldn't either if I wasn't living this. Um, Ignorance truly is bliss. This is not a fun life. This is not a fun thing, and I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. But I think the people that are the biggest, you know, companions and champions in our corner are other caregivers. The VA clearly is so overwhelmed and behind the times with providing everything our brain injured veterans need. It's it's very sad. It's very frustrating and very sad. Um, but I think we look to each other, fellow caregivers, you know, on our blogs, on our on our support systems, in our peer groups, in our support chats. Um, that's our biggest supporters, each other. 
Well, Valerie, thanks so much, and, and the best of luck to you. Thank you so much. Since WNYC's first broadcast in 1924, we've been dedicated to creating the kind of content we know the world needs. In addition to this award-winning reporting, your sponsorship also supports inspiring storytelling and extraordinary music that is free and accessible to all. To get in touch and find out more, visit sponsorship.wnyc.org.